0: Hello and welcome to Watch the Throne. What a lovely day. This is episode 17, The Curse of the Jade Scorpion from 2001. I'm Joey Lewandowski. And I'm Mike Nancy. And with us today, we have to bring back our Woody Allen expert. There are only two people that I know in this world who have seen every Woody Allen movie. One of them is Mike. The other one is the co-host of the Pop and podcast, Brian Rodriguez. Hello, Brian.
1: Hey, yes. I guess that's probably not true. But I mean, maybe. Who knows? Because some of them are hard to see. But, well, I am the host of the Podcast. I'm PSO just saying Talkman people Podcast. I know. Fair. I'm just saying people I know. Fair.
0: You're not the only two people on the planet who have seen every Woody <laughs> Allen movie. Don't get too much of an ego boost there. I
1: don't know. I don't know if Woody Allen's seen every Woody Allen film. I don't know. He, he He's directed everyone, but, you know. <laughs> he's cameoed
2: in a few I don't know if I've seen. <laughs> well, a couple walk-on roles in a few.
1: <laughs> and again, to be clear, I'm not a fan of Woody Allen's personal life. Yeah,
0: nobody's saying you are. We don't. That's That goes without saying. Okay, okay. You're like Kyle, like, making things clear that don't need to be made clear. Like, we get it. You hate Philadelphia. Let's move on. (laughs) Oh, man. I appreciate the fact that you signed up for both Woody Allen movies for a grand total of probably 15 minutes of Charlie's screen time. Mm. I am troubled by the fact that you signed up for two of my least, my three least favorite movies so far out of 17. Uh, The only one that I like less than these two Woody Allen movies that we've done so far is Hollywood Confidential because to quote Mike at least this movie looks nice it's a terrible sexist movie filled with maybe the worst Woody Allen performance I've ever seen mm. yet it looks nice so it, it, it gets a one star instead <laughs> of a half star I don't hate it as much as I hate Celebrity or Hollywood Confidential but once again forget another movie in a row I am worried about the future of Watch of Throne. <laughs>
1: yeah.
2: <laughs> Unfortunately, this time around, I am right there with you, Joey. I mean, you know, I, I sort of was able to suffer through Keanu's high school years a little easier than you and got over that hump a little better, but this time I am feeling it pretty much just as hard. Like, I'm a, I, I love a lot of Woody Allen movies. This is not one of them. This is really... I was surprised rewatching this how bottom of the barrel... I mean, not only do I not think Woody Allen is good in this. I don't think anybody is good in this movie. I, I don't think any performance is tolerable from where I was sitting on the couch. I mean, we'll get into specifics and stuff, but it looks okay to me. It's funny, I almost watched it with the color down in black and white to see if that would make a difference because I like the way Celebrity was shot in black and white. So I was like, I wonder if that'll help me watch this movie a little better. But the one star I the, I actually gave it a star and a half on Letterboxd. That half a star may disappear by the end of this episode, who knows? <laughs> but I gave it that ha uh, that star for the premise that they waste, which we'll get into a little more, which is the the hypnotized cat burglar plot that they totally avoid uh, for the most part.
0: Well, not only do they waste a premise, they also waste a really interesting Charlize Theron performance. The idea of her as like a noir bad guy maybe i'm still Mm -hmm. unclear on what exactly her role is in this movie other than just to be a pretty woman that woody allen fawns over and she flirts back with him i love her in this time period with this accent with this demeanor and yet every time she's on screen she's basically yelling at Woody Allen hey get in my pants and I'm like oh this is all
1: terrible she looks great doing it though
2: yeah she's always been period right as far as I'm concerned like she can play period pieces I feel like she fits into the past just as well as the present or the future when we get to sci-fi
1: that yeah 100% I mean like I just love the way she and I don't mean this like oh cuz she's hot I mean it like as an aesthetic her in that like white dress thing
0: smoking that cigarette
1: yeah, it's just like, so, so film noir, but there's not many, like, high points in this. Just, I, I know I mentioned this to you guys yesterday, but I do want to say it to your lovely audience that this is Woody Allen's least favorite Woody Allen film. He is not, was not happy about it. Basically, just a little backstory. I did my research this was like kind of a script idea he had for 30 years almost and he went through a period in the early 2000s late 90s where he kind of said hey I'm gonna kind of do my own thing this is the first film of his where his sister produces every film since this one his sister was the producer and he he had more kind of range it's also one of his hot more higher budget films hence like the look and the the aesthetic and he just kind of fell flat on his face I want to give it this quote from him Woody Allen says about this film I from a personal point of view feel that maybe there m- are many candidates for this but it may be my w- the worst film I've ever made it kills me to have cast uh, such gifted actors and not be able to come through for them and, and that's true like I-, I think it's a great cast but it just I don't know sucks
2: Yeah, th- uh, Charlize has like that real sort of Jessica rabbit thing going on here, you know, that's I think uh, an iconic portrayal you know, like you guys were saying, totally fits into that film noir thing, I think the issue is this isn't a film noir (laughs) like, this is some screwball 40s comedy that should be you know, I feel like it it needed a really handsome devil playing the lead in this, you know, and sort of like getting mixed up in over his head, bumbling around kind of foolishly and stuff, I I don't know Woody is killing it, like I mean, he's not killing it as in, like I usually say, like as in people, when they're Doing a good job, but he is ruining this movie. Yeah, for sure. From the inside out, being on screen and stuff. Like I, I was excited to see like Dan Aykroyd. I was like, whoa! Like <laughs> you don't pop up very often these days, and yet there's like nothing for him to do or anything. And I'm, I'm just mostly upset that they waste the whole burglar thing, and it's becomes, a, it's a relationship thing between woody allen and um helen hunt's character so that's like the real core of the movie and that was disappointing
1: oh yeah um and, and you mentioned that thing about the leading man that's another thing woody allen said about this film that he completely regretted casting himself in the lead and he said exactly what you said he should have cast more of a uh, gruff good-looking guy this is like
2: a Clooney kind of thing i feel like almost something he would do in a cohen's like you yeah know, yeah like i him can him see in that here, like a Cary Grant sort of performance could probably work in this.
1: Certainly not Woody Allen. Certainly not 68-year-old Woody Allen. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> it's
2: just, oh, man, it's just super weird when, like, Charlize Theron is, like, so attracted to him. I just, I mean, I had the same issue with the movie we did for P. S. I Love Hoppin recently, where it's like, I just don't understand how some people find other characters attractive what is attractive about him except for what's written in the script you know like i just don't see it on screen or feel it between them. i don't feel the chemistry between them that was very awkward when she's like throwing herself at his character i just couldn't buy
1: it the secretary like i i sorry i forgot her name but she makes more sense oh um, elizabeth berkeley yeah showgirl yeah (laughs) yeah yeah i just didn't remember her character's name she makes more sense not on paper but i don't know maybe it's like a power thing in that office charlize makes no sense and helen hunt also kind of makes no sense but she's under the spell for part of it i don't know what an ending too huh Total fake Guys, I hate this. I hate this movie. I hate everything about this
0: movie. I'm just sitting here listening to you guys talk about it. I'm like, I don't even want to talk about it because I just... It just annoys me. I don't know how neither of you bailed on the Woody Allen experiment when you got to, like, this era. Like, how did you How did you keep going?
2: I, I think you just got to soldier on. I mean, when you're doing, like, a retrospective like that or, like, the Bond films or, like, I'm going through all the Godzilla movies now from the beginning again and, like, there's 32 of those at this point. So I'm taking my time this year. You just sort of have to soldier on at times because you know that there's better ones waiting for you, ones you haven't seen in a long time that have, like, special moments and things so part of it was um, doing the whole Woody Allen retrospective I've never seen a lot of his movies and this was one I had not seen and so I just chalked it up to he makes a movie a year they can't all be winners and you know even when the story and everything doesn't come together, they're kind of just like, they look good. So, you know, you just kind of sit there and try and get through it and on to the next one.
1: Yeah, for me, it's more interesting when you go from front to back when you get these. It's more like, oh, I, I kind of see what he was trying to do there. And this is why he failed. Oh, he used this idea in this film. And it was so much better that way. It's like a comparative piece. I compare it to like any kind of artist, like looking at all of Picasso's paintings which is impossible i know but just s- something along those lines there's there's always going to be like these misses and this is a huge miss when you see it in like the whole picture it's fun to compare but if you were just to watch this film, like all of us did yesterday, it's a waste of time.
2: Yeah, it's not for the casual Woody Allen fan. I mean, no. I could see how, if this was the first time you saw a Woody Allen film, like, not wanting to give Annie Hall a try, <laughs> or <you know? laughs> like, I could totally understand that, you know. But yeah, this is more for sort of the quote-unquote fans, I guess, or just the people who keep up with all of his work. But I, I don't know, it's... Yeah, it's terrible, though. I will, you know, recognize that. I don't defend any, any corner of this movie, really.
1: I feel like if I was, I don't know, an older person and I had watched Woody Allen from, like, day one and I was in this era, I would have probably given up because there wasn't any kind of light at the end of the tunnel, that there were going to be any more high points. There are a lot of points in Woody Allen's career, and we're probably in the actual one now. But mm-hmm. who knows I was just, yeah <laughs> where it's like this guy's done, you know this guy like he he doesn't have anything left in the tank, he needs to stop, and i th- I think he needs to stop for different reasons now, but also because like for for both it's done, like his style is done, but also. Because he hasn't been producing good stuff recently. And this is definitely one of those eras where it was like... There was definitely critics at the time, from what I've read. And I can imagine if I was like super into it, I would have been like, dude, just stop. Mm-hmm. This is the first Woody Allen film... I, I, I This is not for Woody Allen film I saw. This is the first Woody Allen film I was conscious of coming to theaters, if that makes sense. I remember seeing the trailer. I hadn't seen many, if any, Woody Allen films at the time. And I remember seeing the trailer like for another film. And I was like, oh... Woody Allen still makes films? And that's what <laughs> thats what I thought. Yeah,
2: I think for me it was Mighty Aphrodite when that was going on with the Oscars where I was like, who's this Woody Allen I've always heard of my entire life, but like now I'm old enough to watch his movies I guess and then just like discovered them through there I mean this isn't the Woody Allen podcast I guess so I don't want to no, no, go no. too deep into it or anything but, but I guess my main thing is like he he's creatively spent I feel because like this is even a repetition of an idea he's done several times before which is like a 40s comedy kind of thing like Purple Rose at Cairo's done it better and I'm sure there's one or two other examples in there but like yeah he's he becomes very repetitive and it does feel now that he's sort of at the end of his rope as far as like you know, ingesting new ideas or taking the old ones and spinning them in different ways just feels I didn't even go I didn't even make it to Wonder Wheel
1: oh yeah, yeah. So, so to be fair I also did not see Wonder Wheel so to be fair we both have not seen all the Woody Allen films but at one point we did
0: yeah I mean my first Woody Allen theater was way after you guys I think my first one was probably Blue Jasmine wow I might have only seen
2: yeah I hadn't seen very many in theaters either it's just that's when I was sort of conscious of him and was able to start sort of going into his stuff
1: no no my first one in theaters was Vicky Cristina Barcelona, so it wasn't, like, crazy or Yeah,
0: didn't see Magic in the Moonlight in theaters, didn't see Irrational Man at all yet, didn't see Café Society, so I've only seen one movie of his in theaters, so I was probably going to say that way, because Wonder Wheel came out, and I'm like, I'm good, I think I'm good.
1: <laughs> <laughs> it's over. Finally probably, I would say there's probably five times in his career where, like, there's three to five-year stretches. Oh, most people said it was over. This is the one. Well, right yeah, now, apparently. I the,
2: the problem was, after all that, like, he would bounce back the next year with, like, an amazing movie, you know. Like, or at least one that got critical acclaim, you know. It was, like, doing bad, doing bad, and then the Owen Wilson, Midnight in Paris, and then it was like, kind of doing bad, bad, and then, like, Blue Jasmine, and then it's yeah, like... Yeah, but
1: even before that, like, he, he'll get, like, these, like, okay, like, Vicky Cristina in Barcelona, and uh, Matchpoint, like, match point did, did match very point well. Matchpoint was pretty huge. Yeah. Just
2: not in England. <laughs> <laughs> yes.
1: So he has these, like, moments in that, and that, like, where he just, like, keeps the ship afloat, you know, he has this European period where he's financed mostly by european backers. But again, it's done. But again, this is not the Woody Allen podcast, well. Wow. Let's talk Charlize, right? Yes. <laughs> I mean, wh- for 15 wh- minutes that? <laughs> if that.
0: I mean, she's super menacing, which is cool. Uh, I love that she sort of enters in this foreboding way, but then like I really couldn't even follow what she was doing because there was such a heavy flirtatiousness between her and Woody and it just made Mm. me sick I was just like I don't want to see this we talk about sort of lovingly about how David Lynch casts all these young girls to be in his things because he wants to have like he has crushes on them like supposedly imagine Amic and a bunch of people from the original Twin Peaks you know the new girl that follows him around in in the new in the return you know it's these really pretty young actresses that he sort of surrounds himself with he doesn't have this like history of creepiness as far as we know and please let us keep it that way but here, we know that Woody Allen's kind of creepy, and, like, for him to be this incredibly old guy in real life—nothing he can do about that—but, like, making out Helen Hunt, flirting with Charlize, flirting with—who'd you say it was? Elizabeth Berkeley? Christy Brinkley? Who was it? <laughs> Christy Brinkley. No, yeah,
2: Elizabeth Berkeley. No, no, it is Elizabeth.
0: But, like, all these women that he's—like, they're just in this movie so that he can flirt with them. And I know that he didn't want to be in this role— but the roles that uh, the actors that IMDb said that could have been like Tom Hanks and Jack Nicholson, I don't want to see either of them in this role either. Like this is just a creepy role, this like flirtatious older detective. I don't know. Like it's it's not like what was what's beautiful about noir, good noir, is that there's a subtlety to it, that there's like this undercharge... like there's this charge, the sexual charge, this like undercurrent. And here Charlize comes in as like the femme fatale, which is cool, but like you don't give it back to her. Like, you sort of, like, play it cool, and he's just like, hey, I'll be back to have sex with you tonight. Like, it's just, it's just, (laughs) like, he just says it. And, like, it ruins every scene she's in because it takes away from her sexuality. Like, she's no longer this strong woman, this domineering force, because she's talking to Woody Allen, who's acting like Woody Allen. It's just like, ugh.
1: Well, that's why I think if there's someone else in the lead, the script changes a little bit, which he does do. Like, when when there's a casting change, he does change things around. But I think he's like, I'm Woody Allen. I gotta be Woody Allen here because I don't think he has much range as an actor, let's be honest.
2: (laughs) (laughs) But you... But you also don't want, like, a kind of Brenna situation where someone's, or, or other, there's been other situations where it's been done well, but you don't want someone playing Woody Allen either, you know? Like, I feel like this character needs a total rewrite head-to-toe, just from the way, like, he is as a person. He's, a, he's You know, everyone, like, basically says, like, he's a kind of a terrible person, right? Like, no one really likes him, but he's kind of good at his job, so they, like, keep him around and you know, kind of make fun of him and stuff. And he takes it on the chin. I did not, I just did not get any chemistry between Charlize and him. Like the weird, the weird thing about the whole Charlize thing is like, she's just there because her house was robbed. You know, like that's like her introduction is like, he has robbed her house, you know, under hypnosis and he's there to investigate who did it doesn't know it's him and runs into her bumblingly like somehow manages to charm her like I didn't catch any of that the way I sort of played it out of my mind and this is going to sound like terrible I know but I mean I was just like reaching for anything is just that she's kind of like against society type person who you know she's super rich she has everything she wants so maybe she's bored so she likes to break the rules and walk on the wild side and stuff so she's just decided that she's just going to like have this Nebish, like, loser dominate him, or so, like, you know, sort of like a um, S&M kind of thing, where, like, I'm just gonna tease this guy, and make him do stuff, and, like, he'll just do whatever I want, but then, she, like, gives herself to him in her bed, she, he, like, goes to her, so, like, uh, there goes that theory, like, that's not the character, like, that would have been a cool character, if it was someone who was, like, manipulating him from another angle, and you just see that he's easily played, but that didn't end up happening, so.
1: No, yeah, it, it's it's weird, it's this is a, just a film again where the jokes don't land. There are a couple, like there are a couple lines I laughed at, and maybe I'm like not proud at of, of that, but like. i I was thinking exactly what you were thinking mike in terms of like oh this is what they're going for and then like that whole bed thing happens it's disappointing but like i there's so many woody allen films that we can just throw it away on a woody allen thing hopefully i'm not going on this charlie's journey with you guys though i am following hopefully all of her films aren't like this i don't think so from what i've seen but I feel bad But to what you were saying, Joey In terms of Woody Allen casting these women It's something he's always done
0: I understand that No, 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 no. I'm not it saying that's a good make thing it better, But it doesn't make it better, yeah, exactly
1: No, no, but it's just something he's always done And this is, Charlize is just one in a line of Literally hundreds of women <laughs> Who he's like, she's the hot actress right now I'm gonna bring her in the movie And it's a shame because In the two roles she got They're just trash roles in crappy films Unfortunately
0: no, but I don't think this is a trash role. I think that it's just trash scene. Like, I think this is a great role, and that's what annoys me. That's what really, really bothers me. I think this is a great, interesting role, especially in comparison to what she's had lately. I agree that the celebrity role was terrible. Like, this role, <laughs> the the reason I really hate this movie, like, the Woody Allen stuff is annoying and gross and everything, like, I don't like that at all. But what bothers me is that this is a good role for her. She's doing it really well, I think everybody's sort of pretty good in this movie, for the most part, except for Woody Allen, but, like, she's really good in this role, and after we've been so starved for, like, good Charlie's roles, here we get one, and literally the only character she has to play off is Woody Allen in what he said is his worst film because of this <laughs> performance. You know what I mean? Like, she doesn't get to interact with anybody else. It's, it's basically like, she's imaginary. Like, she's just a figment of his imagination. I know that like, people talk about her, like, you know, there's news in the newspaper or whatever that he kicked her out of bed or whatever that, I don't even know. But, like, she doesn't get to play with anybody except <laughs> for him, and the fact that she doesn't get to bounce off anybody else, her and Helen hunt in the scene or something like anything like literally anything other than her just like having to flirt with Woody.
1: Oh yeah yeah and that's what I, that's what I mean by trash she's just not given an opportunity to essentially do anything but be Woody Allen's accessory which is just disappointing.
2: Uh, yeah i uh, i agree guys <laughs> like i mean yeah she's in a she's in a completely different movie i mean i like maybe he should have ran with that she's an imaginary person kind of role thing because then it would have sort of contrasted his reality like you know this it would have also maybe made it feel more whimsical too like i feel like that's what he was going for it was like whimsy and like an old-timey sense of humor but none of it landed and i don't know i, I don't think like joke jokes are necessarily... it's funny he is a he comes from the world of stand-up but I don't think like like, when he makes jokes in his movies, those are, like, the funniest parts of his films, you know? No, they're more really about, like, like, the
1: situations. Yeah, mm-hmm.
2: yeah, like, that more takes me out of it, and what bothers me is that, like, this is, like, a really great idea for a movie as far as, like, the, you know, the sleepwalking jewel thief kind of thing, like, I, and then you're investigating your own thievery, like, I really think, like, that is inher- is inherently funny, and, and I'm not laughing at all, I'm, like, stone faced through those sequences, because they're just not well done and they're not well thought out and they're frankly just not interesting or anything like that like and they don't really they're not the movie it just feels like this movie about him trying to get with Helen hunt is going on and on and on and then he gets, <laughs> a, f- he gets a phone call and has to go steal something and then back to the Helen hunt stuff and then he gets he gets a phone call like two or three times in the movie to go rob something and it's just done so quickly in like one shot and skipped over and then it's back to this relationship stuff and it's just that really Bothered the hell out of me too. It was just, I think Charlize is fine with what she's given to do and everything, and I would like to see her in this role in like you know an actual film noir done seriously uh that would be cool but i don't feel like anyone else is really good in this it feels like everything was like one take i feel like people are stumbling over their lines a lot like not just woody allen but helen hunt too at times and it's just like whatever moving on like we got it you know this movie has to be out by the end of the year so i don't want to miss my
0: streak let's just cut and moving on i was just saying that um this is also his most expensive movie ever at least to date I don't know I mean wow. at least to the point this came out this cost so one number says 26 million one number says thirty three million it only made like fifteen or sixteen so it did not make nearly its money back yeah where does that money go because it looks nice
1: yeah the budget was on the look apparently getting that cinematographer for the last time was a little expensive and if you go through his chronology it's one of the only films that has that kind of or at least to this point, has that kind of set work. Like I mentioned, his, his sister is the first-time producer on this, and I, I think he, was, he ended up suing his producer for the last uh, X amount of movies. I don't think she takes a big cut as a producer. I think she's just like, kind of happy to be there. That, this is my theory, and he was like, you know, if you're going to be my producer, I want you to get me a big budget because I want to do these sets. So, so apparently, to answer your question, everything went into the costuming of the set work and the, the look of the film. Which is probably the best part.
2: (laughs) (laughs) I mean, it's funny, like that's a lot of money for Woody Allen, but that's still not very much money to make like a major motion picture with this caliber of actors and stuff like that. I mean, I I think it looks good. I mean, other Woody Allen movies look better, you know, like Manhattan, you know, which is a masterpiece of cinematography. One
1: of the greatest cinematographers of all time on that.
2: I don't know. I, I think that I think it looks nice, don't get me wrong. It's just like I don't know if that's the reason to watch it like that you know that's not enough of a reason to watch it whereas i think maybe with celebrity you can turn the sound off and i really kind of think that movie is pretty pretty gorgeous looking unfortunately because it's so terrible
1: joe you're on record of thinking that curse of the jade scorpion is better than celebrity what about you mike
2: uh i mean yeah no it's it's more tolerable even though it's terrible I would watch it with the sound on, you know. <laughs> I would recommend it before Celebrity with Audio. So,
1: did you did you guys like the Hypnotist? Dave played by David Ogden Stiers.
2: I liked none of this movie except for Shadees. I liked <laughs> zero of this movie. He reminded me of a good idea for like a Batman 66 villain uh, who would maybe hypnotize Bruce Wayne and then Batman would have to investigate like who stole the jewels and,
1: <laughs> and he'd find out
2: that it was him.
1: <laughs> yeah, like no, he, he definitely had that feel. <laughs> like, like his facial hair kind of looked painted on. I mean, I think maybe that was aesthetic, but even when he wasn't like hypnotizing... When they showed like the cut scenes of him, just like on the phone, he still was had that look. So I don't know, Mike. You might remember we a movie we've discussed that's not officially out yet. Better off dead. He's the dad in Better Off Dead, which I didn't oh. recognize, but I heard the voice, and I'm like, that voice sounds familiar. And then I looked him up.
2: I remember, yeah, the dad's voice, and that sounds very good. Like I was <laughs> like, this guy does like cartoons or something, but yeah, I don't think he, he ever did.
1: No, he is. He's a big oh, cartoon the- guy. Yeah, guys, I found something. A quote. Um, uh, Woody Allen said about Charlize in this film. Would you like to hear it? Yeah. Charlize Theron has screen humidity, Woody Allen screen... said to the Voyager press collection.
0: Already makes me want
2: to vomit. <laughs> screen humidity? <laughs> Wait, like, humidity? <laughs> what does yeah. that even mean? I
1: don't know. He's. Uh... <laughs>
2: now I'm like, what? I'm Wait, was that the full quote? Yes,
1: that's just cool. <laughs> the that, quote. I mean, that's Brian, the only quote of terrible. Yeah. I mean, I'm just trying to find things. I'm trying to find things to talk about for Curse of the Jade Scorpion. You guys like the title?
2: I mean, it promises so much more. (laughs) (laughs) I think it's a great title, but not for this movie. (laughs) I think this maybe should have been called like I don't know, Investigators Anonymous. Who I don't know. I don't want to just.
1: (laughs) I love how he's also not like. Officially, like a private eye, he's just like an insurance investigator. It'll make his character even less interesting.
2: Yeah, <laughs> that seems like a very modern thing too. Like, cause that that's like you know that's somewhat like what the, the narrator in Fight Club does. Like, he goes around investigating like accidents for his company and and stuff. So I guess it's kind of the same. Like, he sort of works for the insurance company in that way, like investigating. But did they have that kind of stuff in the forties? Like, it seems like a very modern thing to me. I guess that concept's funny, just thinking about people in the 40s, like, running around, like, investigating insurance fraud.
1: I guess. I wish, <laughs> wish
2: they played that up more, because, like, he doesn't, he talks about finding a Picasso, but, like, that's it, really. Like, I don't, I never got his reputation from any anything, like, why he was... So good at his job. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so, what else do you guys want to talk about?
0: Let me see if I have ac- if I actually have anything else to talk about. Oh, the fireworks inducing kiss at the end. I said, who enjoyed this less, Helen Hunt or us? And I'm <laughs> unclear what the answer to that question is. Oh, I do love how Charlize pulls a Mamma Mia on her exit from one scene in this movie. I was like, that's pretty cool. I think that's maybe her last... Oh, no, 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 she came back. That way, I thought that was her last scene, but she comes back later. She pulls a Mamma Mia as she walks out one time, which I was like, that's cool.
1: Yeah, that was that was kind of random, too. Was Mamma Mia, like, a thing to say in the 40s? Um, <laughs> I don't know. Like, you know how, like, Bart Simpson kind of made, like, Icaramba cool for a little bit? Mm-hmm. Was, like, mm-hmm. Mamma Mia a thing that, like, not Italians... Would say
0: I was gonna say why don't we ask uh, Moonstruck, but that's all Italians. I'm <laughs> just trying to think of a better movie to talk about than this movie.
2: I know, like in Godfather Two, during the Vito Corleone scenes, they go to watch a play, and someone's saying like "Mamma Mia." I'm the pretty play, sure and that and so that's like,
1: an Italian film, though, is it not? It's an
2: Italian. It's an Italian play that they're watching. Yes, but it is New York City, and it kind of maybe it, it sort of caught on, and Anglo people started saying "Mamma Mia." <laughs> uptown and stuff, <laughs> who knows <laughs> um, maybe Brian, maybe we'll get into it more and this is a sneak preview, but when we do Godfather 3 for Third Time's a Charm maybe we'll get deep into the lore of that and figure out the origins of Mamma Mia
1: that's a film with lore so that's a film where we'll probably will last longer than this one but I don't know, I'm, enjoy- I'm enjoying talking to you guys it, it, it's fun but, uh, <laughs> I don't know I don't know where to go from here this movie is not good, and it's one of the... Not the worst films I've ever seen, but certainly one of the worst Woody Allen films I've ever seen. And it's very... Uh, also forgettable. Do you have a favorite
2: Woody Allen? Like, can you pick Ooh, one? Ooh, yeah. If not um, a favorite, like, you know, in the top top three or four.
1: Or so, I've said this to a lot of people. I, I'm I'm a writer in terms of not a famous one unfortunately but that's like the thing i do in my spare time just write screenplays and work and stuff like that and my favorite screenplay of woody allen's is hannah and her sisters All right. that to me is, is is executed so perfectly i love big ensembles you know and that has an ensemble and, and like people share screen time it's a nice film because unlike this not every moment is sexist and weird the women talk to each other and the relationship between the sisters to me is one of my favorite relationships on screen like Ever, I-, I love the relationship between the sisters in that film, and I could passionately talk about Hannah and her sisters for probably three hours.
2: <laughs> yeah, that isn't, and that's not one that like he wrote to service himself either. I feel like he did absolutely not, not. You know, and he's yeah.
1: in Hannah and her sisters, but he's definitely yeah. not the main character.
2: Yeah, and he's not like a shining star. You know what I'm saying? Like he doesn't portray himself as like a great guy either. Like he's got flaws and everything. So like, yeah, that's a that's a great pick.
1: Yeah, and he's like nobody who kind of wants to be around him. He's kind of a loser in the film. Eventually, like he's got, he gets like a nice little like love arc, but that one kind of makes sense because they're two they're two like broken people, him and the great H- Diane Wiest.
2: Parenthood, Diane Wiest, mother-in-law to Keanu in that movie.
1: Mm, good to know. In terms of other Woody Allen films, I like if we're going to go through all of them. I don't know. I like you know I like obviously Annie Hall and and uh, Manhattan. Manhattan, Manhattan, I love, but it's hard to. I've recommended Manhattan for people who want to get into Woody Allen. And they always say the same thing, like, great film, very creepy that he dates an underage girl. So that oh, doesn't help. Yeah, no.
2: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no. I would say, if you want to laugh, my... One of his funniest movies is Zelig, which is like a mockumentary. It's sort of like, and that's way before those became sort of in vogue. Yeah,
1: but certainly one—that's one of, in my opinion, one of the best mockumentaries ever made. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, it's a hilarious movie. It's one of his best movies, and and it's just a great yeah uh, example of that type of film.
1: I recommend Zelig instead of this. <laughs> what do you think of Manhattan Murder Mystery?
2: I have to rewatch it. I can't recall from I, I did my rewatch in like 2013. Thirteen, I think it was. So like that was before was it that long jo- ago. I, it was like thirteen or fourteen. It was before we did mm-hmm. Cage Club. So I yeah. am a little rusty. Well, when we did Cage
0: Club. We had no time to do anything else. So yeah, <laughs>
2: yeah, and that's sort of also around the time where I've been keeping detailed notes of like everything I've been watching. So uh, it's not on any of those lists that I've seen that I went back and looked at before the show. So I th- it's got to be at least like 2013 or something like
1: that. Manhattan Murder Mystery is a pretty good film. That's like uh, what her name um Diane Keaton's like comeback with him it's like a modern murder mystery Mm -hmm. kind of thing that that really works and he that was followed by Bullets Over Broadway which is a really good Mm -hmm. period piece film with with our guy Cusack in it and and the great Diane Wiest Diane Wiest is awesome we can talk about that
2: (laughs) (laughs) she deserves her own show
1: but there are a lot of forgettable Woody Allen films this this being one of them released I think we mentioned this before. We recorded release right before 9-11. So this is one of the... Did I say this already or was this before we recorded? I don't even remember.
0: It was before It was before we recorded.
1: Okay, yeah. So this was released in August of 2001. Obviously 9-11 happened. Didn't help this film, but that really does, probably didn't matter for this one. Um, but this is one of the only times he notoriously boycotts the Oscars because he doesn't believe in award shows. Even when he wins, he doesn't come and collect his awards. I don't know who does. But he did show up to the subsequent Oscars for a really, really great... to introduce a really, really great like New York film montage put together by uh, Nora Ephron. Like, if you want to watch something of Woody Allen's that's not a film it's a really cool speech and then again the film's not his but he just introduces this Nora Ephron clip and it's got all the great like New York films to that time like cut with this beautiful thing it's actually pretty emotional for you know I'm a New York guy I love New York cinema and it, it's just something great to watch definitely better than this film
0: you want to move on to the game which I can't believe that we're going to play this game for this stupid stupid movie but the new game Brian is pitch a sequel oh my goodness so Jade Scorpion. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Pitch a sequel.
0: So you're going to go first. We have nine different genres. It's not just randomly pitching a sequel. The good thing about this, Mike, I was thinking about this because I really don't want to play this for this movie, but we will. Nobody dies, really. Like, everybody's alive. So no matter what movie, oh, like no matter what character you want to take, you can do a movie with them. So that's kind of cool. But there's no real rules, Brian. It's not like the recast game where like Mike and I put in restrictions on ourselves. The only thing is that if you get a straight-to-DVD genre... Uh, you pretty much can only pick like one actor from this movie actor or actress because in theory it's a low budget movie that can't get everybody back
1: but <laughs> okay okay
0: if you're ready to perform oh this is good you need to do the curse of the jade scorpion 2 as though it were a horror or slasher film oh huh
1: <laughs> that's not my genre so that's going to be tough well there's that built in kind of mystery already right <sighs> this is this is a tough one I would imagine that the hypnotist who's back, <laughs> it, you know, he's out of prison for some reason, and now he's really pissed. So instead of being a jewel thief, he's just, you know, hypnotizing these characters to murder each other. And it's good because we got, like, you know, f- people who can be like the final girl. I'm not sure yet. But Woody Allen has to die early, for sure. I'm on board. You know, he he's gotta die early. Maybe in like kind of like an like an opening sequence. They say is it his word's not Madagascar. I can't remember what his trigger is.
2: Constantinople. Yes. Yes.
1: <laughs> it maybe starts with something like Helen Hunt and him are having this really Good romance.
0: Although, hold on. Sorry, sorry to interrupt. but By the end of the movie, I mean, it is sort of the cliffhanger ending, but they're both de- de- uh, deprogrammed by the end of the movie, right? They're both clear yes, free, and clean. Yes, yes. De- okay.
1: Or so okay. we think. Oh. Okay. So we open with this movie. scene. Yeah, we're like, oh, crap. This fucking romance again. They're in, like, some exotic location. They're enjoying each other's company. It's like, how would this even exist? And I'm sorry, you hear a phone ring. You just hear Madagascar. She clicks back into it, murders Woody Allen right there. And then we have this whole chain, eventually leading to Charlie's of course, because she has to be in this because this is her podcast. I don't know. Maybe she she's the lead in this one somehow. Though I do want her to be a bad guy, so that's tough. I, you put me on the spot, guys. I'm not sure. What yeah, are your that's, films?
2: Yeah, it's tough. That's part of the game. I, I feel like I'm the worst because
1: I'm put on the spot. <laughs> <laughs>
2: But that's all part of it. I mean, you could have her be in league with the hypnotist over getting the jewels back. I don't know.
1: Do you guys contribute to this one, or is it just like the?
0: No, guest? no, no, no. We don't. We don't really. We don't really. We don't pitch to yours. Yours is just your own movie alone. Do you have a subtitle to Curse of the Jade Scorpion Two?
1: Curse of the Jade Scorpion Two the real Curse of the Jade Scorpion.
0: Uh Whoa! That would be interesting, because I don't think there's ever been a movie with a really long title that has a subtitle that includes most of the original (laughs) So for that alone, interesting movie to watch.
1: Well, I think Curse of the Jade Scorpion sounds like a good sequel. It sure
0: does. It sounds like Indiana Jones and the Curse of the Jade Scorpion.
2: Or there was like the Jade Scorpion and then there was the Curse of the Jade Scorpion. It's like those old mummy movies, you know. And then it'll be (laughs) the son of the Jade
1: Scorpion. Son of Jade Scorpion. (laughs) Jade Scorpion versus Mecha Jade Scorpion. (laughs) I'm there.
0: Mike goes next uh, again. I'm gonna skip this one, Mike, because you got straight to DVD. I feel like we got straight to DVD all over. All yeah, the We time. should
2: take that. We should take that out of the rotation. All right. Here, here's a better one. Sci-fi.
0: Curse the Jade Scorpion uh, Two as a sci-fi ooh. film.
2: Yeah, it's it's a hundred years like in the future. It's like this future noir kind of thing, and uh, this guy's investigating the Jade Scorpion murders and he comes across Charlize. Uh, her father's been killed and they sort of, like, team up to solve the crimes and everything. But, yeah, she has been replicated and replaced and it turns out, like, as they're falling in love, she also finds out that she's not human and who she thought she Ooh. was and she's got, like, all of her old memories in, like, a this new sort of, like, robot killer body and it gets, like, activated when a certain tone goes off like, over the radio or something, and, like, that's the, sick, you know, that's, like, the trigger. It's kind of, like, the same thing, but, like, she is the secret assassin that doesn't know it, or that she's a cyborg, and the detective is falling in love with her, and at the end, she tries to self-destruct to save them (laughs) both, but... You know, like, the mastermind shows up and doesn't let her sacrifice herself, and, like, it's, like, a real downer of an ending, and it's, like, a grim future, like, bleak... Sort of like, where do we go now kind of ending, <laughs> um, like, maybe to a part three down the road somewhere.
1: Well, I was going to ask, like, because you mentioned the ca- ca- uh, curse of the Jade Scorpion, or the Jade Scorpion murders. Could yours be a sequel to mine, and then you would be a part oh. three? Because that's kind that of, that's third time's a charm, you're kind of, that's, that's kind of uh-huh. your thing.
2: I mean, I feel like they're part of, like, a shared universe in a way. <laughs> like they all they all sort of, like, have connective tissue in, like, a Cloverfield way before that third oh, one yeah. came out. Like, just by title.
0: You know, Mike, I just realized, based on what Brian said, that you should have been pitching part threes to this game. You shouldn't have been pitching sequels. You should have been like, okay, so here's my idea for part two, but then here's my idea for part three. Oh, absolutely. Mm. I, I well,
1: second that, or maybe I, I third that if that makes
0: Ooh. sense oh. it'll let Mike third it so you have to second it and then Mike Fine. comes in I second I that it. and I third that Yay. there <laughs> you go Yeah. okay <laughs> I get a three oh, I don't like this one either it's Oscar beat extreme strange oh. DVD <laughs> horror we just did that you know what? I'm going to do sports movie, just because I'm going to give myself a challenge. Wow, it's that is that a challenge. Competition. <laughs> okay, so it's it, it better involve the Knicks. Because like, I feel like this movie is like one pivot away from being a musical. Like, it sort of looks mm-hmm. like a musical. It sort of That's looks a like an old-timey musical. It should have been. Yeah, that would have been great. Oh, yeah. So I don't think there's much of a challenge there, because you just do something like this. And I would also love... For the record, uh, a caper musical like that. Like I don't. I'm sure that this one exists, but like uh, Hudson Hawk is kind of a, a caper a caper musical. <laughs> oh, Hudson like. Hawk, yeah. In, so Hudson Hawk in, and in the ways. Muppet Caper. There's a there's a double feature <laughs> for your Sunday. So okay, a sports movie sequel. To By this. the way, there
1: are sports elements in this film. Now that I recall, because he does like to gamble on sports. He likes to pick his New York baseball Giants.
0: Yeah. Okay. So let's see here. So this. So the sequel takes place 10 years later. We are in the era of Mickey Mantle. He's on the Yankees. And Mickey Mantle... Actually, when was Mickey... I want to talk about this right. Mickey Mantle rookie season. You want to take a guess, Brian?
1: What year is Ricky, uh, Mickey Mantle's rookie season? Well, it was one of DiMaggio's last years. I don't want to be wrong. Did you find it? It's 51. F- okay, I was going to say 50, so I would have been wrong.
0: So he made the All-Star game in his second season. He came in third in MVP voting, so he was pretty good wow. from the beginning. Okay, so this, okay. this takes place in the offseason between the 52 and 53 seasons. All right. Mickey Mantle, young All-Star for the New York Yankees goes to the detective agency and says someone stole my glove someone stole my, <laughs> someone stole my uniform uh, Helen Hunt greets him and says we're right on it, sir. Woody stumbles in.
1: 78-year-old Woody at this point. <laughs> 78-year-old Woody
0: Allen stumbles into the room. Uh, no longer works there, for the record. Uh, he, just, like, he just has nothing else to do and nowhere else to be. You know, I guess he and Helen Hunter are still together because that's what this movie wants you to believe, the first one at least. And so she still works there, so he's just hanging around because he, he's like this nebbish guy who can't do anything on his own. So he's just sort of stumbling around. Meanwhile, again, which one was it? Elizabeth Berkley or Christy Brinkley? Elizabeth Berkley. She is now the lead investigator. She and Helen Hunt are a dynamic duo, and they go investigate the case of the missing baseball bat, baseball glove, uniform. I wanna weave in a scorpion somehow. It's like oh that's the what case happens. of the babe's missing stuff. <laughs> oh.
1: But it's Mickey. But no that's what happened. So he went to oh, his Mickey. locker
0: and there was only a scorpion in there. There was not like it was like a jade scorpion. There oh. was, so they had to find this guy. Kind of like a thought night fox. that they captured or whatever. Yeah, he left a clue. And so the movie is about Helen Hunt and Elizabeth Berkeley. Is that her name? Yep. Yes. Why can't I think why can't I remember her name? Uh, it's the story of those two trying to find the same hypnotist from the first film in the case the curse ooh ooh okay the curse of the jade scorpion 2 the case of the jade scorpion
1: Uh, (laughs) ah nice that's good I like that. that Oh, Thanks. I don't
0: think I gave a subtitle for mine.
2: Can it, should I give one? You name? got one. The Curse of the Jade Scorpion to Cyber Jade.
1: <laughs> I just try to come up with the worst things. What is the hypnotist's name? Do we know?
2: Oh, in the I don't I don't have that written.
0: I probably said it a bunch of times in the movie that I just didn't pay attention to.
1: I'm gonna look that up because a good uh, thing would be whatever. The Curse of the Jade Scorpion. Hypnotist's name revenge. Because that's what they Ooh, always do Carly's Curly's Gold? Yeah Reven-
2: Revenge of the Jade Scorpion
1: Revenge of the... Yeah, that's good mm, I like that actually better Return of the Jade Scorpion
0: Voltan Voltan? Voltan?
1: Revenge of Voltan Or whatever Voltan's Revenge <laughs> Voltan's Revenge The Jade Scorpion Strikes Back
0: So next week on the podcast Before we get into the awards section Next week on the podcast, Mike We have Trapped Which is apparently on HBO Go I don't know what it's about but we do not have a guest because no one has heard of this movie. We are three weeks away from the Italian job, four away from Monster. So we are closing in on movies that I've heard of. That you've heard of. (laughs) These next two movies of Trapped and Waking Up in Reno, I do not know what they are.
1: Waking Up in Reno? That sounds like a Keanu film.
2: There's some other movie, Things to Do in Reno When You're Dead, I think. I thought that was what this movie was, but this movie I've never heard of.
0: Huh. Well... The one movie that we've all heard of is curse of the jade scorpion case the curse of the jade scorpion so what do we want to nominate this for award-wise mm-hmm. what's it called what why can't i find it charlie starin Watch her own awards worst film the curse of the jade scorpion yes absolutely you
1: worst guys will know more than me.
0: male actor woody allen <laughs> um,
2: do What's we, his name in this movie? It's initials. He's got like initials for name.
1: C.W. Briggs. C.W. That's it. He does not look like a C.W. Briggs.
2: Do we have like a? Um, is there some way to say like best role in the wrong movie? Most wasted performance? <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> okay. <laughs> by I mean by Charlize. You know what I'm saying? Yep. Like, yeah. Most for, for,
0: wasted Charlie's performance. Because
2: I feel like we've had at least one before at least, where it's been like, oh, she's great, but the movie blows or something,
0: or at least like the movie is...
1: It's definitely going to happen again, I'm sure. Yeah,
2: that too. Right, right.
0: Now, Mike, here's an important question. Do we nominate... Just because there's literally zero competition, yet Helen Hunt for best non charlies role—does she deserve an award for this?
2: You know what? I think so. I'm gonna give it. To- I like her in a lot of other stuff. I again, like, unfortunately, I just don't feel like she was well directed. I don't think anyone was well directed. I don't think it's her <laughs> fault that her performance didn't work for me. But hey, she spent an hour and 40 minutes, you know, resisting Woody Allen. So like, I gotta give it to her. It wasn't wasn't until the very last frame of the movie that Woody Allen forced her on the page to relent and give in, but, you know, for like an hour and 40 minutes, she said no
0: to him. Okay, so Mike, going from the bottom of my list up, looking for another wasted performance. Hollywood Confidential, no. Celebrity, no. 15 Minutes, no. Astronaut's Wife, no. Reindeer Games, no. Trial and Error, no. Sweet November, no. Two Days in the Valley, I'm going to say no only because... She wouldn't have had a bigger role than that in her second movie. I don't think we can say it's a waste okay. of performance. Okay, yeah, just that's because it's a breakout can't. role. Cider House rules, no. Bagger no.
2: Vance, maybe? Yeah, I think possibly, right? Because she was so badass yeah. as, like, if I was born a man type of woman that would have, yeah. like, been running shit. I think that's a good one. And then she just kind of vanishes for most of the movie
0: men of honor I'm gonna say no just cause I don't know how you fit her into that movie more cause it's about men it's about a world that she's not really part of yeah just like we were saying you know about all the, all the women in that movie like it's just not the story that they're telling yeah Mighty Joe Young no Children of the Cord no The Yards no That Thing You Do No Devil's Advocate no so okay so we got Legend of Bagger Pants, okay. and we got this movie for most wasted performance
2: Cool. I mean, you know, unfortunately we have, I mean, cool, but at least yep. we have, like,
0: a category. Adele Invergordon. In- Inver Invergordon. Legend of Bagger Vance.
2: Okay. That was her last name in that movie? Yep. I, she didn't seem like her family was from non-America.
0: Invergordon. Well, you know, Inver-Gordon it's, it's sounds old-time sort of America. Hey, Nobody's I, from America in that I was going to so.
1: say, what, what do you mean, Mike? does a last name define whether you're from America or not?
2: <laughs> no, it's just like, she, there's so much, like, southern pride in that movie that it didn't, I didn't recognize her name seems, you know, more sort of, like, Scandinavian. What do I know? I'm only half
0: Norwegian. <laughs> <laughs> Don't want to call it best of the worst, most wildly no. inconsistent tone. I think it's pretty consistently terrible. You uh, no, not a manic pixie dream girl.
2: Yeah, at least it tries to be comedic the whole time and fails instead of, like, it's all over the place. No, you're right. It's baseline it's <laughs> is constant
0: should we co- put this in for most sexist film
2: oh that's a good one yeah and I mean, like, it sucks because I feel like he thought he could get away with a lot of it because it's like a 40s period piece and it just feels oh, sure. even worse that way. He's like, I'm just I'm hoping to have it set in the 40s. That way I could get away with all my icky stuff.
1: Was Celebrity also nominated for most sexist film if you're going to nominate this? because I'm going to, Yeah, so, okay, so good.
0: I'm going to nominate this as a positive for Best Accent Voice in Noir slash 1940s Era. That's fair. I do love her demeanor in this and her affectation in this. Archetypal Role will figure out at the end. Lo- worst Love Story... Yep. <laughs> CW. <laughs> wow,
1: I'm, I'm I'm on a very nominated film. I'm I'm happy about yep, that. Yeah, but not for good reasons. <laughs> well, most of these categories are negative. That you're saying.
0: These are mostly like Razzies. They're negative because the movies we've watched mostly have been bad. <laughs>
2: yeah, it's not that. It's not Charlize. You know, like uh, I mean, I feel like she's getting what she can get. You know what I mean? Like, and she's doing the best with what she's given. It's just whatever is surrounding her is
1: monster not doing was so. Good important for her i mean in, in so many ways because it just seems like so far she's obviously very talented but that a lot of these like sexist male producers are casting her because she's a pretty lady yep mm-hmm.
0: yep i am nominating best line at mama mia because i like that i was gonna <laughs> do worst line there was one line that she said uh i have a strawberry mark on my thigh to prove it and i was like, Ugh like just (laughs) what should be like a sexy line like talking about her body it's just like because she sang it to Woody Allen I was like "Mm -mm, no 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 Uh, song score no dance scene she doesn't get naked or die she's sexy but she doesn't get naked which is good
2: well we don't see her nudity but she shows her rack to Woody Allen yeah, but she's
0: 100 percent covered in that. There's no way that she's showing Woody and, oh, yeah, and no. Woody Allen her naked body. <laughs> and then, <laughs> is there anybody else we want to nominate actor-wise for good or bad? We have Woody for bad, Helen Hunt for good. I think that's pretty much it. I mean, no, I don't know if anybody else is really in it enough to sort of yeah. Gain no. Those accolades. I, mean, I wish Dan
1: Aykroyd's in it a lot, but he's he doesn't like he's just like a dude, you know? he's Yeah, not I was memorable. gonna say
2: I wish we had a, a category to nominate Aykroyd in is in like a there's where he is now <laughs> <Category> <laughs> like, instead
0: of a where are they now but that's all I got that's you know we got all the awards uh, again you are right though Brian it is a very award heavy film a very accoladed film just mostly for bad reasons I really if I didn't stress it enough I hate this movie I'm glad that I will never have to see it again. <laughs> I'm glad that we will not have to do another Woody Allen movie for this podcast. Mike, whoever we do next, we need to make sure that if they're in a Woody Allen movie, either they're a man <laughs> or they're in a good one. But like, it just—it's just terrible. Like, oh, ugh. Yeah. I don't think I'll
2: ever go back and watch every one of his movies in order again. I'll definitely just skip around and watch the ones I know I, are good or I remember well, yeah. to be like enjoyable. You know, there's no reason to go back and torture yourself like a second time you know no. without knowing you're gonna
0: We can all say that he's a creep and he's made some really terrible movies but that doesn't make the fact that like Annie Hall is perfect and wonderful like any less yeah. true. If you're able to sort of separate the art from the artist like there's movies he's made that are truly remarkable. I mean yeah. he won he basically wrote we talked about this in the celebrity episode that he wrote a movie that basically single handedly got Kate Blanchett an Oscar. I mean she nailed the performance, but he gave her what she needed to get that award. You know what I mean?
1: Like he does that a lot, especially for women, which is which is crazy. <laughs> it's crazy to think that this guy who wrote this film and directed it and it's very Woody Allen film, so I'm not saying it's like, oh, it's so different genre wise, has Directed and written so many great roles for women that they've taken and made their own and got Oscars from.
2: Yeah, Mir Sorvina with Mighty Aphrodite and stuff.
1: Too yeah, the again, head. the great Diane Weist, two, two Oscars from Woody Allen films.
0: Brian, do you have anything else to say about, not about Woody Allen, but about this film in particular, in <laughs> specific? <sighs>
1: Guys, I really stretched myself on this one to say everything that was in my head about the Curse of the Jade Scorpion There's so. not a lot to say <laughs> So I don't think I, There's anything more That I need to say Regarding this Dud of a film
0: So this is Unfortunately Your last appearance As it stands On Watch the Throne but people can find you and your podcasting partner, Kyle Reinfried, who's run... It's a, This is a, a series wrap on the Hoffman guys on Watch It oh, Your Own. Uh, neither yeah, of them yeah. are going to be back, I don't think. But we, I mean, in reality, we only have like 25 more episodes. Like we don't have a ton. I mean, there's still a lot left, but like it just so happened that the ones that they wanted were early in the run. So people can go find you on the PSL of Hoffman episodes. This episode comes out March 23rd, which means that recently, hmm. probably in the last week and a half or two and a half weeks, Mike and my final episode... Altogether appearance for God's Pocket would have come out on PSLF Hoffman. So if you haven't checked that out, go check that out.
1: Yeah, there'll be a lot of synergy at that point.
0: Do we have a rough estimate for when your podcast, your next one, your one that I don't think we've announced yet or really made any hints to? Do we have like a rough sense of when that might come out? A month? We don't. We don't. don't, don't, No details. Just like a teasy, tasty teaser, taster. I
1: want to drop it when Hoffman ends. Immediately? Hoff. Pretty close, pretty close. I, mean, I, I Wow. I, ha- I have a couple episodes in the can that I've worked, but I, I'm working on editing them, so I would I would like to just jump into that, w- with your permission, of course. April-ish?
0: Cool. Nice. Stick around for just a couple weeks, actually. So if this is March 23rd, and you're releasing in April, there's a good chance that your podcast is already listed on cageclub.me so go check it out if you like Brian's smooth, sultry tones and a topic that is no offense to Philip Seymour Hoffman because I think he's a great actor but a topic, your new one, which is far more interesting to me which could lead to far more interesting places, go check out cageclub.me for Brian's next podcast, the second show on the network that has a single host, I think, right? Just you guys. Just you Yep, hey. The Third Time's a Charm and then Brian's podcast where it's just one guy and a rotating cast.
1: Yeah, uh, definitely check that out. It's a lot of fun, guys. I'll I'll tease it at that. It's a lot of of fun.
0: So, Mike, any other last thoughts about Curse of the Gene Scorpion, or can we move on to Trapped next week? No, let's just get out of here. (laughs) Cool. So for all things Watch the Throne, including Brian's past episode, go to cageclub.me, facebook.com, slash cageclub, or at cageclubpod on Twitter. This is episode 17, so we've got a bunch of them to listen to if this is your first one. You know we've got a bunch more like we've been sort of teasing most of her good movies are still to come so there's a lot of good Charlies over the horizon on the horizon I'm very much looking forward to them what we've had so far has mostly been bad but at least we got the yards which is again a near masterpiece. <laughs> so cageclub.me <laughs> facebook.com slash cage club at cage pod on twitter I'm Joey Lewandowski. And I'm Mike Manzi. And that was Brian Rodriguez at the PSL of Hoffman podcast. And we'll see you next time on Watch the Throne.